This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Tonight, Panorama focuses on the terrace gangs who follow one small second division club, Millwall, in London's Dockland. And that has involved, including in our film... Language you don't usually hear on television. Ladies and gentlemen, broadcasting from beautiful South Bermondsey, this is Achtung Millwall. Good afternoon, one and all. Welcome to Achtung Mirror. My name is Nick Hart, and welcome to a grey, overcast den on a mild winter's afternoon, December afternoon, for the visit of Walsall. Very flat atmosphere inside the ground, listeners. You join the game in play. I've just got into the stadiums, about a minute and a half gone. Uh, Walsall attacking the Colbo Lane in the first half, win red. A little bit of team news, and it's all changed on last week's debacle, or debacle, I suppose I should call it, give it a French accent, debacle against Gillingham. David Ford in goal for the um, suspended. Jordan Archer, of course, in the back line. Carlos Edwards, Sid Nelson comes in. First of five changes. Mark Beavers alongside him, Joe Marty on the left. Midfield, we've got Fred. Ooh, Fred on the wing. Uh, bold, as Julian and Sandy might have said back in the 60s. One for the older listeners. Very bold. Jimmy Abdu returning after injury in midfield. Give a bit more dynamism. Sean Williams, Shane Ferguson looked more effective in that second half, at least, against Gillingham last week. No place for Lee Gregory today, though, listeners. Aidan O'Brien and Steve Morrison start as the two up front. On the bench, you've got Tom King back on from uh, Welling United, where he was on loan. Sean Cummings, Webster, Thompson, Upson, Saville and Pavey. So five changes to today's starting lineup, and questions in the week in on the news at Den for the intensity with which the squad approached last week's game against Gillingham. 3-0 defeat, of course, as you will well know. Implying that Jordan Narger hadn't taken the game particularly seriously. Um, dropped, uh, suspended, not dropped today. He's suspended after that double yellow card sending off last week. Interesting choice of approach by Harris. Um, he's not quite naming and shaming, because that's um, we saw where that leads under Ian Holloway. And maybe there's a time and a place for it. I don't know. But it's certainly an interesting reaction. Five changes on last week's performance. It wasn't a bad second half. I'm not sure it justified that level of uh, change. And I suppose in the cold light of day sitting here right now, about five minutes into the game, six minutes, you start to question the... Um, 
the, the maturity the maturity of the, the manager the experience of the manager probably a better way to put it the uh, last week we got done by a more experienced manager Justin Edinburgh and at times when we come up against better sides in this league our tactical now has been shown wanting a little bit and that obviously in the end comes back to the manager Neil Harris who's still learning his trade very quiet selling the magazine outside listeners at one point, um, about one o'clock when I got to the den, it was like um, just me and a couple of pigeons on top of the cafe. Uh, similar to The Birds, the 1960s thriller with by Alfred Hitchcock and Tippi Hendren and, uh, and Rod, Rod somebody. Who was it? Was it Rod Taylor was in that? I can't remember. Uh, whether the birds suddenly decided to attack humans and uh, produced an air of menace about some northeast New England town. It was a little bit like that standing around outside Zampa Road earlier on. Perhaps I exaggerate. There's certainly not many people about let's, let's put it that way. Sky grey, cloudy and grey, floodlights on. Green of the pitch. Set like a jewel in this grey, dank scene of South Bermondsey. Walsall on the attack again now. 12 minutes gone. Lots of ball being passed around our about hot face on our own half. No real end result so far. Fred Clatters. The red shirt player over on the left there will draw them a free kick. About halfway inside the middle half to the left of our penalty area. Opportunity for them to cross the ball. Probably produce the first real opportunity of the half on them. In the aftermath of last week's 3-0 defeat, David Ford is reported to have spoken to the squad in the dressing room. I'm not clear what exactly uh, Ford said to the squad. I hope he wasn't quoting, um, I don't know, James Joyce or something, but um, he spoke to the squad, so no one's really clear what he said. It, be, it wasn't particularly flattering after the performance we saw in that first half, especially. Um, strange part was hint, uh, Harris is hinting that he wasn't satisfied with after preparation leading up to last Saturday's contest. He says he's unfortunate for Jordan, he's done really well for us. He's a young man with a huge desire to get to the top. The slight errors he's made, I've not got a problem with. The slight errors that have led to a goal, he's going to learn. It's a learning curve for him, he says. He'll learn that his concentration doesn't start on a Thursday or Friday or Saturday. His concentration starts the moment the last game finishes. He's had a stop-start week, and I think he'll learn from that massive... I don't know what he's been up to. It sounds like he's been out in the town, doesn't it? How very dare he be out on the town. But it certainly has cost us, um, judging by the tone and tenure of that article, tenor of that article, Harris wasn't, wasn't happy with what he saw from Joel Narger. And the um, suspension clearly has not come at a bad time, if that, if that can be said. Here comes that free kick. It's into the box. It's flicked on. Free header and goal. Dug away nicely enough by David Fall. But um, after a free header on goal, did you get the, the key, key words there, listeners? Opportunity knocks for... Uh, Walsall on the 15th minute as it approaches. First chance of the game for Walsall. They go Walsall again. 16 minutes, knocking the ball around again. Lot possession being conceded by Mill inside our own half. Ball one back there by Jimmy Abdu. Plays it forwards his Morrison. Finds O'Brien on the inside into the Walsall half. O'Brien taking it forwards. He's got Fred on the inside of him now for support. Do some high stepping routines. Slightly loses his trap. He finds Fred over on the right hand side of the Walsall penalty area. Fred wins a corner. Zuma have not shown a huge amount of spark and fire going forwards. That was the first glimmer of something there on that, on that forward run there by Aidan O'Brien. So it's going to be a corner on the far right, as I look. Going to be taken by Shane Ferguson. We've got Morrison. We've got O'Brien in the middle. It's in, in near post towards Morrison. Bundled pass for a, another corner. Must have come off a Walsall player there. Fred was in the mix. Bundled pass by the defender. So another corner. Two in succession. 17th minute approaches now. Shane Ferguson going to take it again over the far right. 
swung in again deeper this time towards Nelson. It's headed away by the Warsaw defence and clear. Nice break, Jimmy Abdullah come down the middle. He finds Fred over on the left now. He's offside. He's offside. Marginal decision. 17 and a half minutes gone. Apologies if my voice sounds a little hoarse and husky. I've had a bit of a bug over Christmas. I was trying to gargle with um, Rioja wine yesterday. Uh, I think it's had a big impact on me. It's, it's certainly uh, reduced the, uh, the swelling somewhat. Ball back in the hospital. Ball back to the Walsall goalkeeper. Clears it just from Steve Morrison there. 18 minutes gone. More pressing forwards now. Crowd reacting to it. Goalkeeper's taking a chance. Another back pass to him there with Morrison in front of him. He made a pass. It was inch perfect, but he didn't want um, much error on that. Clearly he's a little bit phased by the, uh, the whole Millwall thing, perhaps. I don't know. So after predicting on last week's round table show, we'd never see Paris Count Hall in a Millwall shirt again. He's back. So it shows how good a pundit we are. I don't know why you tune into this show, listeners. I really don't. Um, but he's back. Recalled from Bristol Rovers. He's played a part in the 3-1 defeat for the body under-21 squad in the week to reach the quarterfinals of the Premier League Cup. Um, does he still have a future? Well, who knows? If he's, if he's come back and does, plays a, a positive part, then perhaps he does. I certainly don't want to listen to us and whatever we think when it comes to punditing all across the box there. Morrison finds Fred. Edge of the penalty. What can Fred do? Left, right-hand side. It's across the box. Oh! Morrison from the uh, near post. Inches wide. Perhaps should have done better. I don't know. 20 minutes. Not great. More chances last few minutes. After a quiet, quiet start. There's a strange quote from the Walsall manager, Sean O'Driscoll. He says the usual. Um, we heard it a million times. It's a diff difficult place to come to Millwall, if only it was. It's a championship club in all, all but where they are in the league structure. And after a good win against Paul Vale, I think by then that means I think we'll try and set our stall out to be especially hard to beat. As against just hard to beat, it's going to be especially hard to beat. <clears throat> um, it goes on to say it'd be nice if it was a little bit nearer. I suppose he means travelling on the on boxing day. I can't, I can't see how we can make our, our ground move nearer to you, Sean. If you move nearer to us, it might be uh, might be better, might it? Flick on header there. There's Aidan O'Brien inside the box. Near post shot. Got well by the goalkeeper to the roof of the net. Route one stuff there, right down the middle. Fred flicked on to Aidan O'Brien, who shot on the near post, was pushed over the bar by the uh, Walsall goalkeeper. Onto the roof of the net. Going to be a middle corner. As the 23rd minute approaches, a little bit of action, a little bit of pressure in the last few minutes by the Lions. Interesting fact from the Millwall Maniacs email that I'd, I'd subscribe to. Uh, this is our 73rd ever game against Walsall, the Saddlers, nicknamed the Saddlers. Apparently the sad making saddles, horse saddles was an industry locally. And the bragging rights are ours by 36 wins to 19. We won 36, they've won 19. So we can really brag and get in the face of any Walsall fans. Did you know a Walsall fan? I don't know any. If only I did, because then I could really brag. I'm just looking at the new Minitron opposite. Let's leave aside the uh, lack of boarding, the slightly off-centre fixing into the, uh, the surrounding hoarding that it sits in. There's a, there's a brand new piece of kit. There's about eight or nine pixels missing. All gone. They're going luminous green or luminous yellow. A bit like the old one. There must be something about the area. Maybe it's cursed. Maybe the gypsies that used to live on Senegal Fields have cursed every TV screen. There has been the work of the devil. The work of Beelzebub and every TV screen that gets put up in this public place, being the work of the devil, gets cursed. With broken pixels. Maybe we should get an exorcism done of some sort. Where's Father Beeman when you need him? Middle defence beam for pace there. There's a goal, 1-0. Walsall, Bracey, break down the left-hand side. Basic um, long ball down the left-hand side. 
and uh, it looked like Beavers was at fault there. Uh, I'll have to see it again to pick out who the defender was. Essentially, uh, the ball bounced over the defender's head. I think it was Beavers and the goal, the Walsall strikers in on goal. Who is that? Was it Sid Nelson? Sid Nelson, I think. Isn't it? Ball slotted home straightforward enough. 1 0 to Walsall. That's a blow. I mean, we've been having some uh, decent play going forwards in the last few minutes. And then we're going to concede a sloppy goal. And then in danger concede the second sloppy goal. 29 minutes gone. Walsall break in on the right hand side. The tens over on the right. Ball long and deep on the far side. It's going nowhere. It's gone behind the oncoming striker there. It's going to the corner. It's going to go for go for corner, not a goal kick. That's going to have an opportunity for Walsall. One 0 Walsall at the moment. Millwall really not looking like they're um, firing on all cylinders at the moment. And malaise seems to be spreading throughout the club at the moment, where we just don't look like we are 100% with it. Yet again, Walsall coming at us. It was the syndrome pegged back in our own half for some minutes now. Ball being passed around again. It's to Fred this time. That's going to be brought away by the Lions. Well, if Harris questioned our intensity last week, listeners, I'm questioning our intensity this week, really. I mean, OK, he's made five changes, but not an awful lot of end product change, despite that uh, panic in my opinion, five-man change. I know some were enforced, and I'll take that on, on board, but... Um, we're not really showing much. Fred's, Fred's position in the team must be questionable at the minute. Midfield, we are losing the battle, in my opinion, at the moment. And we're conceding a lot of ball time to Walsall. We're not doing much when we get it in return. So, work to be done at half-time. 39 minutes passes at the moment. Jimmy Abdu provided a little bit of spark there for Millwall. That's what we're going to need to see more of in the second half. Yeah, there's a break down the left-hand side. Overlapping run by the winger. Ball back across the box. It's angled shot over the bar from inside the uh, the penalty area. That was close. That was close. It was a ball back across the mill penalty area. The uh, striker was uh, under challenge there. He managed to angle it over the bar, thankfully. It's a sparse crowd in here today, listeners. I don't know what kind of... Um if it's, if it's going to be 8,000, I'll be surprised. It doesn't feel like a big crowd. didn't feel like a big crowd selling the magazine outside. Lots of uh, empty space, lots of uh, long periods where no one was buying. And you can normally charge a bill crowd by that because normally when it's busy, we're selling out within the, you know, the first hour and a half. Today I've brought back unsold copies, which is a shame because it's a fantastic edition of Cold Blow Lane magazine. If you want one, get in touch with me. I'll send it to you for £2. That's a bloody fantastic bargain. Got a special insert annual. Work by Crazy Horses. is Sistine Chapel. He's the Michelangelo of Cold Blow Lane magazine. It's well worth a read. Uh, we didn't sell out today. Uh, so if anyone wants to buy it by post, get in touch with us. CBLTheMag at hotmail.co.uk. So the last few seconds will peter out. And there it is. That's the end of... A very disappointing half of football. You can hear the boos behind me. Mill nil, Walsall one at the half. We've really not looked uh, to have any pep, any spark, any vim. But Jimmy showed a couple of moments where a way forward might be found, which is to get in amongst it and make something happen, get the crowd involved. We've done very little. We had a few minutes prior to the first goal, to the, uh, the goal from Walsall, where we looked half decent. Apart from that, we've looked very flat, very, very flat listers. So there we are. There's the half. It's going to be uh, changes needed again for the second half, I fear. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. Achtung, Mehlball. 
So we've got a few tweets for you at half-time, dear listeners. First up is a plaintiff one from the man in block 11, quoting obviously his son or daughter, Dad, can you not get me a ticket for next year? I don't want to come anymore. Little broken heart emoticon with that message. Uh, Mark Litchfield says the football they, and as in Walsall, they are playing. It's so simple, stretching the play and finding their men with two wingers on the pitch. Why aren't we doing that? It's probably because our, our wingers aren't as good as theirs, I think, unfortunately, Mark. Andrew MFC says this has been the Millwall of old. They start well, then we get on top for 15 minutes, miss a great chance, only to gift them the goal. And that's indeed what we've ha- has happened here, Andrew. I do agree. Liam O'Connor says Walsall should be three goals up. Sid Nelson, Joe Martin and Sean Williams are so far out their depth it is unreal Stuart Mace says right from the warm-up we didn't look up for this at all we don't look up for it Stuart I do agree there's, there's a fl- there was a flatness about the stadium coming in here today's a flatness about the team at the moment I don't know what can change that something needs to happen someone needs to come in someone needs to go something needs to be found from somewhere the, the team that was looking like it believed in itself a few weeks ago has lost that belief it's lost its mojo Mill halfway line probably brings a little bit of welcome perspective. This time last year I was watching Mill lose 6-1 at Norwich. Smiley face. Um, droll, I think, uh, James. Very droll, mate. Very droll. Henshaw says he is sick to fucking death of being embarrassed down here at the den. Sick of being told we're making progress. I'm not fucking blind, says Henshaw. This is apt. Bridge over troubled water being sung by the... Uh, Probably the Elephant and Castle Tabernacle Choir or some such. But a gospel music for you all down here, listeners. That's what you want. You can't have a decent mill team. You can at least find some salvation in Jesus. It's cheering me up no end, listeners. Just when I need it most, they turn out bridge over troubled waters. Fuck me. Achtung, Mehlball. Here we go, second half. Lions attacking the cold blow lane ins. Let's hope we can see a little bit more invention, a little bit of spark of something because there was very little of that towards the end of that first half, that's for sure. I can imagine us going long and direct a lot more. We were doing it a lot in that first half, and I can't see there being any recipe for the second that's going to change that list. Let's hope it finds some success. Here comes Walsall down the left hand side, above me here in block one. 12 beats two real defenders. Carlos is there to save the day, thankfully. Nicely done by Mark Beavers. I was knocking him in the first half. He's done well there. He's found Steve Morrison. He'll break him forward. He's outside the Walsall penalty area. Morrison, too many men around him. Delayed too long and was dispossessed. There was a Fergus on the left-hand side, but he couldn't find a, a, a way through to him. And just uh, took his time for too long there. A moment too long. 48 minutes gone. Midfield errors can see possession of Walter now on the left. The, eight, the 15 coming down the left into the middle penalty area. Lines up a shot. It's on goal. Ford is down quite well. A daisy cutter, as we would call it back at Castlecombe. Taken easily enough. 50th minutes. A little bit more brightness there from the Lions. As darkness falls, the Lions play starts to brighten ever so slightly. A bit like a, a modern day light bulb. Not the old bright ones, the ones that just kind of come in dully. That's what's just happened there. It's kind of coming on dully. Is that a word? Dully? We'll look that one up later. Walsall still playing a lot of possession football. They must have had huge amounts of the ball in this game so far. I think I saw 70% in someone's tweet at the end of the first half. And Sean Williams draws a free kick just inside the middle half on the D, the, the D of the centre circle, so to speak. 
Jimmy trying to release Fred, just the, the pass was just a little bit off, off centre there. It's going to be a middle throwing near the halfway line, it's going to be Carlos Edwards as the 53rd minute approaches. Morrison in there battling, it's back to Carlos. Hopeful pump forwards, Fred goes a tumbling. Morrison inside the. Uh, oh! Morrison inside the, the, the Walsall penalty and tries to shoot and almost diverted into the net by Aidan O'Brien, but it's a, a yard wide. That's been deflected off the Walsall goal uh, defender now. So it's going to be a corner. Floated in deep. Goalkeeper punches it away. We'll slowly pressing Walsall higher up the pitch this second half. Fred gets bundled over there. No, referee's not giving that. He's looking for the offence there. Got bundled over from behind, I felt, but not given. So far we're looking brighter and uh, the, the chance we just had there was the first real chance in front of goal of the whole game really but we were certainly pressing further forwards in this second half. Nice work by Sid Nelson there, escorting out a ball forwards with a 12 on his back. He scores out for a goal kick on 56 minutes. Nice work there by Sid Nelson. Also overlapping again down the left hand side, ball into the middle box. It's scuffed clear after a fashion. It's back to Walsall for 10, halfway side our half. They're spraying the ball around left and right with um, gay abandon. I mean that in a completely non-homosexual sense. They are playing the ball this way and that, back and forth, swinging both ways. Here they come now on the right-hand side. I don't care which way they get it. They're going to have it one way or the other. It's ball into the box. Taken by Ford in the end. The 10 was looking to get a hiding on goal now. These eight minutes approaches. Still 1-0 to Walsall, but Mill looking brighter. Nicely nipped in by Fred, ball across the middle, half, nipped in by Fred, he's now attacking down the right-hand side, the crowd surged in forwards, great tackle by the Walsall defence, he just ran out of room and a good tackle there by their defender, killed that attack off, but there was an opportunity, done well there to nick the ball in the first place, and Jimmy had to put a little bit of effort in, this is the way forwards, bit of effort, try harder, try harder, and this is what Mill were doing, albeit to no avail, so we approach the 60th minute of the game, the crowd are a little bit more interested, a little bit more effort these past few minutes. A couple of nice little cheeky little nips in by Fred and then Jimmy. But still no direct chance. Surging run by Shane Ferguson. Runs out of room. Beavers back in the mix there. Walsall going to bring it away, I fear. And they are. Another referee getting into an awful pickle down the den. There seems to be some confusion about a player getting injured, a treatment for an injury and a throw-in. Taking at least a couple of minutes worth of uh, time whilst the referee farts about not really knowing what's going on. Now we've got people getting drinks. The whole thing seems to have paused. It's back in play again now. Fred on your dimmers coming out. In comes Ed Upson. Fred, for me, hasn't been effective. We haven't seen an effective performance from Fred for some while. Um, many on the net speculate he needs to go out on loan. I don't know about that, but certainly we need to see something, an improvement from him at some stage soon. He's not looking effective at the moment. Nice ball forward is Steve Morris on the right-hand side as Mill attack. He checks back centre, cuts across, finds O'Brien. Can't find the angle, shoots wide. Goalkeeper narrowed him down well. He had a very tight angle. He was running rightwards as, as uh, reverse pass came in from Morrison. In comes across from Ferguson. Deep. Finds it Morrison. He's almost headed down onto the foot of O'Brien. Falls to Williams. Shot blocked. They will throw in halfway inside the half. They're pressing forwards, showing a lot more purpose now. In fairness, apart from the early error, which continued the goal, we've not looked too bad defensively as the game's wore on. Also breaking forwards, Beavers under a bit of pressure here, does brilliantly well. 
brilliantly well to stop that 21 from going through on goal. It's Ferguson on the left-hand side now. Ferguson on the attack. Ball across the penalty area. Pavey was following in. Taken by the goalkeeper. Clipped by Pavey. He's gone down on the floor. Referee uses that opportunity to stop the game. Now the referee wants to talk to Pavey. If he, if he touched him, he must have barely clipped him. It was a ball who was fully entitled to be in there. The ball was being crossed into the danger zone. Fully entitled to be there. But yet again, another referee that wants to be the star of the show at the den. Ferguson across the box, over Pavey's head. Abdul twisting and turning inside the box. Persistence, he's still got his foot in there, it's still live. Abdul gets clattered. Crowd howling for a penalty, not given. Edwards now on the right-hand side. He's going to try and float across. He checks, beats his man, gets a cross into the picks. Pavey, flick behind. Falls to Sean Williams, some distance, over the bar. 87 minutes. Forward again, told to shoot from his own penalty area. That would be great if that happened, wouldn't it? Flicked on there by Alfie Pavey. Is is Ed Upson from outside the penalty area there. He plays it wide left. Is Sean Ferguson, Shane Ferguson, excuse me. Attack his man. He's looked very effective this second half. Another ball into the mix. O'Brien's in the crossbar. <coughs> Anyhow, against the crossbar. Fuck me. Six minutes extra time. Six minutes. If we score, I'm going to cough my guts up. You know that, listeners. You can tell that by the sound of my voice, I know. But I should be a price worth paying. The phlegm flying everywhere if I do, if we do get a goal. Ball into the box. It's going to be flipped up. It's going to be a corner. For a corner from the left-hand side. It's going to be Ferguson now. Deep into the box. It's off the line. Who was that? Sid Nelson headed down. Stopped on the line by, I think, the, uh, the goalkeeper got his hand to it. Let's have a look at the replay. Yes, yeah, Nelson headed down. Point blank save for well saved by the Walsall goalkeeper. Shane Ferguson on the left hand side. He's got Abdu just inside of him. What can he do? He's taking on his man again. Can he get a cross in? Floats it back across the face of the goal. Appeal for a penalty there. Millpack goes tumbling. Nothing given by the referee. Yet again. There it is. End of the game. 1 0 to Walsall. Um, a lot of pressure for Mill in the second half. Chasing a game that. You could argue we shouldn't have been chasing. Um, what can we say? Walsall probably had the measure of us for the first half and looked under pressure at times in the second half without ever really looking like they would crack. We, we, we created some helter-skelter moments in that second half. A lot of effort. A lot more fire in the second than we saw in the first. Why we keep getting ourselves into situations where we're chasing games we shouldn't be behind in. It's probably a question that we can discuss after the break with Charlie Mahoney. Because it slightly beats me at the moment, listeners. So disappointing December continues. Mill-nil. Walsall one. Achtung. Mailball. Big welcome back to the show to Charlie Mahoney. Welcome back, Charlie. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Cheers, Nick. How you doing, mate? I'm having a, well, I was having a good Christmas, mate, until yesterday when I managed to catch a bit of a chest flu bug. And um, that made me feel a bit flat, you know, outside the ground. And then very much so inside the ground. It was a funny old day generally, wasn't it? Proper weird, really, for a Boxing Day fixture. We were just saying that usually we have a derby and it's a bit of an earlier kickoff. It just felt, I think the old thing had a pre-season friendly feel about it in a way. Well, we were very friendly to, to Walsall, really, weren't we, generally speaking. But I do know what you mean. It's it's odd. I think Boxing Day football is one. It's a bit like midweek football. When I was a kid, Boxing Day football, midweek football had a, had a real kind of pizzazz and a, and a sense of excitement sense of theatre almost and I don't know if it's me getting old or what but it just it just seems increasingly to be a real pain in the arse you know just a really weird atmosphere Charlie I felt I think it's the way I, without being too political about it it's like an indictment of football now we're just saturated with so much of it that we never really get to experience these unique occasions anymore you know any opportunity for football to be on TV or for a game to happen they seem to take it so it just doesn't feel different anymore, does it, really? No, no. I mean, you're right. I mean, yesterday was saturated with football. I mean, it just an one comment I picked up on, not not by anything to do with Millwall, but Jurgen Klopp's um, added his voice, as all foreign managers tend to, calling for a wintertime break in, in, in England. And I suppose, you know, just reading the news this morning, I mean, we've got flooding left, right and centre up north. I think Leeds City Centre's under under siege, perhaps. Shame, shame. <laughs> Don't make me laugh because I'll start coughing. <laughs> um, yeah, but you know you do wonder whether there's a case for it increasingly. I don't know. It's just the sheer volume of football, Charlie. Isn't it? it's, it's incredible at the moment. I mean, it's back to back yesterday on BT Sport, one game after the other. God knows how many rows that caused as well. But talking about a malaise, I had a bit of a malaise. There was a bit of a general feeling of discomfort and ease. That's the definition of malaise. I looked it up for the show. A Millwall malaise. Um, it was an odd performance yesterday, I felt. Because we the, the opening phase of the game was quite quiet, and I, think, I don't think anyone really had much um, to take from the opening part of the game. Then Walsall seemed to have a lot of possession, and then as ever, we conceded the classic mistaken, you know, mistaken defence, and we conceded a goal, one 0 down, and then the rest of the game is us 
chasing after a lost cause, as it seemed. I oh, just totally gifted it to him. Um, don't want to be too harsh on Nelson because he's still learning, but that was quite literally schoolboy stuff, weren't it? I mean, he let it bounce, let it bounce, and then yeah. and then letting the geezer get goal side of him as well that easily. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a shame because what's happening at the moment is every time we go one nil down at home, you feel like that's the game. And uh, I'm sure there would have been people from Walsall watching us against Gillingham last week. Yeah. And I think they would have said to the players, it's imperative that you start well down here. Because if you do that, you've pretty much won the battle. Start well, um, get that first goal, uh, get your noses in front. And then we come increasingly desperately chasing after. I mean, we, I think, again, similar to Gillingham, they're two disappointing results last weekend, this week. Um and both self-inflicted to a degree, because we, we don't seem to be, or maybe it's coming down to the manager, which might be a subject that some might not want to hear, but the management and the, our, our tactical setup, um, we don't seem to be reading how teams will come to us. We don't seem to have any plan B, Charlie, do we? You know, we, we go behind and then we go around like headless chickens trying to throw the kitchen sink at them. And you know, we went close a couple of times in the second half, but it's desperation chasing after a lost cause, it seems. I do find the type of football that we're playing quite disconcerting as well because we're just doofing the ball up to Morrison expecting him to provide a flick on for someone who isn't actually there. No. And um, as much as, you know, Harris hasn't got an abundance to work with and I really do think we need to invest next month, um, he must surely recognise that Morrison isn't a target man. That's not his game. No. We've got to approach this in a different way. And I, I don't want to have a go. It's just, it felt like we were just doing the same thing over and over and it wasn't working and, and nothing was really done about it. That's the definition of madness, Charlie, isn't it? Doing the same thing yeah. over and over, for expecting a different result each time. Um, no, long ball, over-reliance on a long ball. One of my notes here to, to myself, um, it, trying to hit Morrison, it, it, I suppose it's an easy option when you don't know what else to do or if you're short on belief and confidence in the squad generally, you know, you, you, you go for the long ball. Morrison is, is not a target man. I think you're right. He's, he's, he's more than that and played at his best. He's not he's not your Paul Moody that you hit the ball long at and <clears throat> expect him to war and, 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 and come out with, with the football. But that's what we seem to be doing yesterday. Um, intriguing changes. I mean, five changes on the squad on the team from last week, which in itself I felt was an overreaction. Would you... Would, do you think we needed five changes on the team that started last last week at Gillingham, Charlie? I, I don't think so either. I, I don't really think Webster should have been dropped. Um, I, I can't really see how he had much of a worse game than Beavers against Gillingham. No. Um, I would probably say that Saville didn't have the best of games against Gillingham, but he's young, he needs to keep playing. And I like Jimmy, but... And he he did have a decent game yesterday, but it did seem a little bit uh, over the top, didn't it, to to make that many alterations to the side. I suppose you know, obviously Archer for the thought for Archer was enforced. So there's nothing he could have done about that one. Um, to to not even have Lee Gregory in the squad, um, I don't know what that's all about. Um, that sounds like um, either he's on his way or there's a message going on, maybe to tell him who's who's in charge. I don't know. Um, again, I mean, Gregory's our top scorer, I believe, for the season. So I'm for him not to feature at all um, in the on, either on the bench or or starting. You 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 know that's that's a weird thing, isn't it? I, I'm, I've been looking um, ahead of today's show, trying to find any 
any hint or clue from anyone as to what became of Lee Gregory. All I can think of is that TV show I watched, Miserable Show, The Leftovers, where people spontaneously disappeared off the earth. And I wonder whether that's what's happened to Lee Gregory here, because there's, there's nothing else that I can find that gives a clue. Who knows, mate? But I, I think that's that's probably a salient point, that he might be off. Yeah. Because um, if this is true about the fact that we're only going to bring someone in if people go out the door, then Harris is probably going to have to make sacrifice with players that he's okay with keeping otherwise. Yeah, I mean, clearly, again, that's another, um, you know, I suppose it just illustrates the damage that was done under Ian Holloway, particularly the amount of money that got pissed down the river, basically. And there is this thing that no one's going to come in unless someone's going out. So we don't have that many sellable assets, really, Charlie, do we? I, mean, I suppose Lee Gregory being a... Well, 11 goals for the season so far would be one of them. I'm just really worried about that. I mean, I look at that team yesterday and I think if there's any indication that we need to bring a couple more players in, it, it was that performance. Um, you know, we're in a pretty decent position. We're playing a side who went top after beating us yesterday who didn't look that great. No, no. And I think, you know, a few, we're a few players away f- from from being more than good enough to challenge the likes of Walsall and Burton and Gillingham. I think it's a real shame if we, we don't go for it this year. It's, I mean, there's, there's a couple of threads on, on on the message boards about whether we're accepting mid-table and the, and the kind of jolly out day out, boys day out at Wembley as, as our, you know, that's our season. It seems rather unambitious. I mean, going into December, I, I, I gave each month names and um, I, I put down decisive December because... Going into the month, certainly up at Burton, we we stood on a bit of a crossroads there. We could have pressed on. We were we had the ability to go top six, but we just seemed to have, for whatever reason, whether there's a, a loss of faith within the squads, whether it's the lack of investment that's been made public, I don't know. But it's it's now turned into disastrous December because I mean four losses in all competitions, and just that one solitary win at South End in the Johnston's paint as as nice a day as that will be if we can get to the final, Charlie. It's the league is your bread and butter, mate, isn't it? That's that's where prosperity lies if we can get ourselves out of this godforsaken division. Well we've we fucked around in this league for long enough last time we were in it, I think. And if we could just get ourselves back into the championship, that'd be a really healthy thing for the club. But um one one thing I'd have picked up, I'll make you right about December but it just feels like now we're actually playing half decent sides. We're getting a bit exposed because it seemed like there was a succession of some really average stuff coming to the den. Yeah. We were beating them quite comfortably, even if not by the scoreline. Now we've played the likes of Gillingham, uh, Walsall. I think South End's going to be a really tricky game coming up. It does feel like we're getting a much better idea of how capable we are in this division. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> Gillingham you know, came to us with a plan last week, roughed us up and then exploited the, the fallout from that and they had a referee that obviously uh, went hand in hand with them there. Uh, and to a degree, Walsall had a different game plan, but it's still quite effective and that was to keep the ball, pass it around well and they worked a break. Uh, you know, it was, a, it was a self-inflicted error, wasn't it? Um, unfortunately, Sid Nelson, we've got to name him again. He was at, error, was at fault for the... For the goal, but they took their opportunity, and again we're creating chances at the other end, Charlie. But in contrast, we're not taking those chances. I think we do look particularly poor going forward, which yeah. must be alarming for some <clears throat> of Harris's stature to watch. Um, I just don't really see what the method is, as I say, other than to move the ball up to Morrison and see what happens. But 
generally amongst the team, it's like every single player wants to relinquish the ball as soon as they can. They've just got no confidence or, or willingness to go for it themselves as individuals. Yeah. I, I, I picked a few quotes out, most of them from Twitter yesterday, but this one here from Mill Halfway Line says it's it's not either about spending money or just working with the youth. We've got to learn the lessons from our past. It is both. So in other words, we've got to spend some money and we've got to bring the youngsters through from the under-21s. We're going quite well, incidentally, Charlie, aren't they? They're progressing into the quarterfinals of the Premier League Cup. So, it's a genuine silver lining, I yeah. think, when I say that. But, um, you know, I'm acutely aware that might take a little bit of time. Um, Fred being a good example, he's only just turned 19, I think. And he really looks raw, doesn't he? He, he doesn't look the finished article remotely. So... Yeah. If, if he's at that stage, the players that are sort of playing week in, week out in that side are, are going to take quite some time before they become first-team regulars. A few question marks on the net yesterday about the body language generally in the side. I think Fred got picked out particularly for, you know, the kind of hands on hips, not chasing back, um, a general kind of um, OK going forwards when he fancies it, but not doing the work side of it coming backwards. Um, I... I, I do think that he's, you're right, he is young. He's, he's got to start to <clears throat> pull it together soon because unfortunately the life of a footballer is brief and um, your learning has to be done quite quickly. I, 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 I thought he was poor yesterday, I'm going to have to say it. I didn't think it was his you know, his, his star game ever and I don't know what could be done at the moment because there's talk of loaning him out again. He went to Wickham, didn't he? It does seem like that's a possibility. Um, yeah. It's totally justified in taking him off. But I'm just not sure if there is a fixed sort of defined position for him in the side yet. I think the thing is with Fred, I'm not exactly sure where I'd play him. Um, no. He seems like a bit of an headless chicken out wide. But to play centrally, you've got to do a lot more work. So, yeah, I'm not sure there's a place for him in the side every week at the moment. I mean, I would, I would say the, a similar dilemma... <clears throat> exists with Aidan O'Brien. He's more the finished article to to a degree, but he was played further up front as a striker yesterday, and I didn't think it really worked. He didn't seem to have any great understanding, contrasting with Gregory, who gets a lot of um, criticism, doesn't he? But him and Morrison seem to have an understanding which didn't really look like it was in place of O'Brien and, and Morrison yesterday. That's true. I think O'Brien looks frustrated at the moment. I think he's, he's being weighed down by the expectation that's on him after winning things like Player of the Month and having that really good spell. Yeah. Um, he just needs to maybe calm down a little bit. He, he, he goes over the top sometimes and it seems desperate to have an impact on the game when it's not really a viable thing. Um, I, I've got big hopes for him, but again, just going to take time like it is with Fred. And to be honest, O'Brien's even further on in his journey because he's about 21. Yeah, yeah. I, know, I suppose a gain, a sellable asset if... Um... If that seems to be the game, I mean, I'll be very sad to see him go if that, if or when it happens. I mean, I think he is a cut above the the general level in it of our squad, so that makes him attractive to other other teams, higher placed teams. And if we are only bringing players in, which I, I do think the squad looks like it needs a bit of a refreshment at the moment, I suppose you know as, as hard as it will be, um, the likes of O'Brien must be another, um, you know, it'll be on the on the tick list, won't it? You know, to see see if we can get some uh, some cash coming inwards. Just looking at a few other quotes here. I mean, a guy called Mark on on Twitter said we took three and four passes to switch the play, whereas Walsall did it in one stretch. There, so I, I, I must admit we did we did fanny about in a way they didn't at times in in, in that first half, particularly. 
I had heard that Walsall was probably the best football inside in the division before yesterday. But I don't even just think it was a matter of quality. I think they just looked sharp and more athletic, whereas we were cumbersome. Yeah. And uh, to me, like I don't want to cast any aspersions on the old season because of yesterday. But you look at the Gillingham game and you think we should have been a lot sharper and a lot more uh, willing to make amends than we were. I mean, Harris has questioned their intensity. There was there was a few remarks on the news of then about Jordan Archer, um, about needing to concentrate from the moment the previous game ends to the start of the new game. Um, it kind of implied he'd been out on, the, on, I don't know, on the source or something in the week and maybe wasn't as switched on as he should have been. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I do think you're right. I do think that we... We we aren't looking as we, we're not stepping up to the plate the way that other teams seem to be, you know, um, better prepared than we are, and that's that's cost us. Um, we, we've got another slump going on at the moment, similar slump to what we had at the start of the season back in August. I mean, we got ourselves out of it last time, and I'm hoping with a we've got a couple of long northern trips looming, Charlie, haven't we? Um, which we'll see whether they take place up at Barnsley, I think, and then we've got Oldham the week after. Um, maybe. Maybe we just need to play some of the the, the, the less, um, the you know, size of less quality in the in the division. Try and get a couple of wins under our belt somewhere somehow, because we're not working at the moment. I think we need to play away from home more than anything. Um, you used the word malaise earlier, and I think that's definitely something that's happening with the home form in particular, and that's why it really reminds me of the earlier stages of the season. Yeah. Funny you say that. I mean, I'm just looking at uh, Omar. Omar Rane says it's true what some people are saying. Home games are so shit now. No fear factor for anyone coming to us, and the atmosphere is terrible. It was a bloody flat atmosphere yesterday, I must say. Um, and I, you know, again, we're just repeating ourselves slightly for a Boxing Day fixture. There's, there was no pep or spark to the place. I know it comes from the pitch. You know what the players do translates to the the terraces, but um, it was just it just felt like everybody didn't really want to be there yesterday, Charlie, including the players. It seemed. Surprised how decent a gate it was, considering the trains was up the spout and, you know, it weren't a, a glamorous fixture and it was on the back of the Gillingham match. But, yeah, I think the uh, real telling thing was, was the mood of the place. And uh, yeah, I, I'm not one of these people who, who says that, you know, it's down to us to get the players going. I actually think it's the other way around and we're not getting anything that's bringing us into play. No, one one good sign. I know we mentioned Jimmy Abdu earlier on, and, and he, he clearly has his limitations as a a midfielder. But he did he did um, clock that what was required was effort and you know tempo, and that's what he brought to the game yesterday. I mean, you can question the quality of what he does at times, but you can't question the man's um, endless running. We've said it many many times, and that really was what was missing from the team generally yesterday. That that kind of desire to raise the pace and get it get it moving. I think it was madness not to play him against Gillingham <coughs> if he was fit, really. Um, one thing I've always admired about Jimmy is that you put him into the team for your bigger games and he seems to deliver. And yeah. he also seems to uh, nullify any midfield threat that they have as well. Who's your man of the match? I know it's a tough choice um, out of yesterday's performance generally, Charlie. I, I, I've kind of pencilled either Abdu or Ferguson out of the I'm not sure which one I'd go for different reasons. I suppose Ferguson edging it because he has more quality to his his wing play and the, and the quality of his crosses. Um, who would you go for out of yesterday's selection, mate? I would say Jimmy, to be honest. I think he was nothing outstanding, more so the best of the bad bunch and good to see him back, really. 
it was refreshing more than anything else, wasn't it? Just to to see someone prepared to put a bit of commitment and put a bit of effort in. So that's that's not a great um uh, you know not a great compliment for the rest of the side, but I, I, I make you right there, mate. This whole thing about no investment and and not really seeming ambitious this season, I just question whether the club as a whole are not complacent but just comfortable. You know, uh, they were talking the other week about how if we hadn't got relegated last year, we would have been fined for um, yeah. breaching the F. Was it the F? Fair play financial rules, yeah. Yeah, and and you look at things like that, and then you do wonder whether Bellison and Ambler were just sitting there thinking, well. All right, it's not going to be the most glamorous of seasons, but you know, maybe we want nothing to happen for a while down here, and if we can get a Wembley visit out of it as well. Then that covers a few of the running costs. I know it sounds boring, but I wouldn't be surprised if that was their rationale. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me either. I mean, clearly there's a, a promising crop of youngsters coming through the the, the system. Um, we have a an aged squad. I mean, uh, I thought Carlos Edwards particularly started, for the first time, and started to look his age a little bit. He looked a little yeah. bit um, slow, slow-witted almost. I don't know if that's too cruel a way to put it. Out of position. Out of position. Beavers, I felt, um, looked a little bit lost. Um, a more basic footballer than I remember seeing for a little while from him. Uh, and even Morrison up front. I mean, he's, he's what, 32, pushing towards 33. Um, you know, there are youngsters that we're pressing up from below and the likes of Pavey came in, Twardek is, is another name that I keep reading about, Marlon Romeo in the, in, the, in the youth squad. So perhaps that is the plan, Charlie. Maybe it's just to bat your way through this season, not lose too much money, maybe get a few quid out of a, a you know Johnston's paint and see where we start start the next, next season, 2016-17. It's an unambitious approach. Anything's possible at the den, isn't it? It wouldn't surprise me. Well, I suppose the only good thing about that is that it's still largely a, a blank canvas that Harris has got. He hasn't um, gone for it yet. And I'm only really going to make proper judgments about the man as a manager when he, he gets to sign his own group of players, I think. Yeah, uh, I don't think that's good. much is going to happen this for the remainder of this season. We'll see what um, you know what the, what the summer clear out brings when that comes. Um, that, I think the main thing that we we're going to be doing now is picking up the points where we can from the lower place teams, and see where we stand in I don't know a couple of months' time. I I must admit, going into this month, I had high hopes of a playoff push. I'm within <laughs> optimism gets shattered quite quickly. And I'm not really, I'm not really uh, thinking that anymore. So I think mid-table respectability is probably um, the best we're going to achieve now. Oh, totally. It was make or break December, and uh, unfortunately, we seem to have. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks for coming on the show, Charlie. Always, You're a pre- always Thanks good to hear from you, mate. Cheers. Um, nice one. Take care of yourself, and you too, mate. speak to you in the new year at some point. Nice one. Cheers, Nick. Take care. listening to Octoon Millwall, the CBL Magazine podcast. That's the Millwall News this week, and we are out of here. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. 
and United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.